Get your day started with a breakfast full of positive music, fun, inspiration and so much more. Rise and shine with Felon DJ. Weekday mornings on Vision. Vision Christian Radio is all about connecting faith to life. From inspiring stories about the struggles we all face. To helping you understand the issues going on in the world. To clear and understandable Bible teaching. All peppered with great Christian music. The latest news. And even a few laughs along the way. You're about to experience just a small part of what we do. For the full experience, tune into a Vision Christian Radio FM or AM station near you. Listen online at visionradio.org.au or download our free app. Well, Elizabeth Kendall is a religious liberty analyst and she's been one of our favourite guests on 2020 for a number of years now and always so insightful when it comes to the big issues that are going on around the world and joining us again today. Hello, Elizabeth. Welcome along to 2020. Oh, hi, Neil. Thanks for having me again. Elizabeth, it is always a pleasure having you and uh, your insights always so, so valuable. And I'm not sure whether you've heard uh, earlier conversations, but we've been talking about issues of religious freedom, whether it's the arrest of a street evangelist on the streets of the Gold Coast late last year and now a trial that's been set uh, for April or some of those issues that we've been talking about with Jenny Stokes from Salt Shakers just over this last 10 minutes or so uh, with regard to the marriage debate and some of the manoeuvrings there and some of the ways that religious freedom again appears to be very much under threat. Uh, we ought to be not complacent about these things and uh, I know you've been working frantically on a whole lot of issues uh, how seriously ought we be taking these types of issues when they happen here on our shores and we can see uh, that our religious liberties are at, uh, under risk? Uh, look, this is a wonderful topic. I did hear the last part of the discussion with Jenny. That was wonderful. Like, Salt Shakers does the most amazing work. Uh, it's not an easy job they do. They get a lot of abuse, a lot of flack, and they have just worked so hard for so many years. And I think... We, uh, a lot of people would, would say they are indebted to the uh, research that they have done because so much of what happens happens under the radar <clears throat> and a lot of Christians aren't aware of it. So Salt Shakers, Australian Christian Lobby and other groups are now beginning to put out more information so churches can be more informed. And as Jenny said, what we really need now is for the churches to realise how serious this is that we really are on the brink of major changes in our law that will impact religious freedom. I'm going to be attending a forum uh, this coming Monday <clears throat> run by the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade in Canberra. And they've got, uh, there are five items on the, or four main discussion items on the agenda. This is Foreign of Defence, Foreign Affairs and Trade we're talking about here and it's a human rights forum and they have devoted a whole segment to, and I quote, diversity in families, which is really what they mean is uh, legalisation of same-sex marriage, which is, which is ideology, has nothing to do with defence, foreign affairs and trade uh, it is uh, to think that our, in fact, it's a subversive. I, I see it as subversive against our own government's policy. So um, it's amazing what is going on. Christians and churches, as as bodies, need to be really, really active 
Are they going to they're going to one day wake up and say, "Oh my goodness, we've lost our religious freedom." I've been promoting our conversation today saying we'll talk about the changing mood. Now, I know that the context uh, for what we would talk about with the changing mood was going to be on some international issues and uh, international uh, religious uh, connections between Christian and Islam. But this changing mood in Australia, when you start to talk about uh, the Department of uh, Foreign Affairs and Trade, uh, this is a changing mood uh, which is like everyone tends to see a change in the marriage laws as some sort of foregone conclusion. Of course, it isn't that yet at all. Uh, we've seen some uh, players around the world, some different nations who have changed their laws, but uh, we, it, it isn't an, a foregone conclusion. But everyone seems to be manoeuvring themselves to such a way as they're almost changing the law before the law's changed. Exactly, and, and that's very much what's happening. In fact, last uh, in 2014... At the, at the DFAT Human Rights Forum, the DFAT official, uh, officials read out a list of all the countries that DFAT had lobbied uh, and criticised uh, and, and um, you know, corrected uh, for their lack of recognition of same-sex marriage. I said, we don't recognise same-sex marriage. Isn't this a bit hypocritical? And isn't this odd that our own de- Department of Defence, Foreign Affairs and Trade could actually be promoting a policy that our own government doesn't endorse? So it's very strange, very strange what is going on. And the fact of the matter is these things are not a, a done deal. Oh, and I might add, every, every country on that list was a Christian country. So we're talking about like Eastern European countries, you know, Croatia, Slovenia, Serbia, uh, and, and, and African countries, Nigeria, Uganda, etc. And I asked them why they were uh, lobbying these countries when they hadn't even raised uh, one single Muslim country where, uh, where homosexuals can actually be beheaded or hung from cranes in the street or murdered with impunity. And they said, oh, we, we'll get around to that eventually. So it's a very, very strange thing, and it's not a done deal. I just put, when I heard Jenny talking, I, put, I looked in my files, and during the course of last year, there was a challenge made to the law in Slovenia. The Slovenian parliament uh, passed a same-sex marriage act, fully legalising uh, uh, full equality between heterosexual and same-sex marriages, and uh, the people were horrified. There was a legal challenge from a civil society group that took, the, that took the matter to the Supreme Court, which ruled that the government had acted unconstitutionally, that, that it had to be put to a referendum, and the, the referendum, 63% of voters uh, uh, voted against, um, uh, against recognition of same-sex marriage. So it's not a done deal. It's never a done deal. But the really, the thing we need to really, uh, really impress is that the propaganda is so thick, it's suffocating, and a lot of work has to be done to to cut through it. You know, so many things are going through my head. Uh, it would take a long time just to unpack them. If I try and uh, summarise a, a couple of thoughts that I've got. As you describe these things, and I'm sure this happens in the minds of listeners uh, tuned into our conversation too, 
the idea that we rely on the government uh, to legislate for issues of morality like this, mm. well, that's we know there's issues with that anyway. But if you take that line that the government has control, uh, we would have to say that in Australia the government's lost control and ideology is in control. And when we talk about the way that uh, ideology uh, is is uh, established, we're talking about uh, propaganda or a prevailing view. And we have had something of a prevailing view, which has had a Christian foundation to it. But that prevailing view has been eroded. And so yeah. there's like a vacuum. And this ideological uh, thrust, which in this case is being seen in the uh, in the a sense of a move towards same-sex marriage is is taking over, and uh, the government can't really necessarily control it. It's like the government's lost control. There's a little bit of a, you know, we're we're sort of looking to the government to uh, to try and sort of contain it, but it doesn't seem to be so easy to contain. Well, I would say that the government itself is a victim of or has been influenced by this incredibly sick. Uh, suffocating propaganda. I've been doing a little bit of study lately and it's what I intend to study on for the next few years, the whole subject of propaganda, uh, how it works, how it's used, uh, how it's been working through the neo-Marxist groups that determined to, to take a long march through the institutions so that they would control or have massive influence in media, in in or in law institutions, uh, human rights institutions, massive control across all, all things, to, to really have a look at how that works, how it worked even in the Soviet era, in the Soviet Union. Sometimes I think, you know, so many of our what we call progressives uh, view what, what's happening as progress. You know, that we'll, we'll get rid of all religion, we'll get rid of all morality, and that will be progress. Well, actually, it will just be following in the footsteps of the Soviet Union, but a hundred years after the fact. I don't see that as progress. And not only that, we know how it turned out. It turned out really badly. Not only did it fail, but it resulted in oceans and oceans of blood. And uh, we just don't want to go... We must not go down that track. We must not. And the thing I've been reading and learning about propaganda is it works best in exactly the the climate that we live in today. Um, When you have small groups like families and extended families that are are tight and all talk to each other, when you have churches, uh, particularly, you know, smaller churches, you have a protection against the impact of propaganda. Um, when you are a mass of individual units who are then, uh, you are attacked as individuals, like through radio or now it's through social media, um, you have the, the ability to affect an isolated individual, but actually a mass of them. So it's perfect. We are living in at the age where the situation for propaganda to be effective is absolutely perfect and at its peak. So when we talk propaganda, I mean, I guess in simple terms, you're talking about a battle for hearts and minds. And you've got 
two sides and maybe there's multiple sides and multiple dimensions to the battle. But when we talk about the Christian faith in that battle, and this is not something that's uh, brand new. This is, uh, I guess we can reflect on historical developments of the way Christianity has risen and the way Christianity has fallen. Uh, but this battle for hearts and minds, at the moment, uh, the church is not involved in the battle in the way that it ought to be. Yes, it's not really involved very much at all. I think <clears throat> over the last century at least, or maybe even longer than that, the church has been very comfortable and uh, the church has existed um, in uh, in the centre of mainstream culture, I like to think of culture as a flowing stream. Right, it's not static; it moves. It's going somewhere. It takes us somewhere uh, to somewhere better or somewhere worse. But it's not a static thing, and it does change and it does evolve, and it's moving all the time. And you can be in this flow without even realising that you're moving because everyone's moving together. It's only when you stand up and say, I think we're heading towards a waterfall, I think I want to go in the other direction, that you realise how strong the flow is, how much resistance you are going to face, and how much you know, flotsam and jetsam you're going to be, going to be struck with. Uh, but we have, to start, we have to start looking at it. And it's interesting that propaganda has worked increasingly through uh, what we call mass media. Uh, so the, the, uh, the first war that was really uh, built around propaganda was the Crimean War, which developed at the time of railways. And railways made the, made the media, gave it national reach. And so politicians could therefore get people to approve of what they were doing because they could influence them. People were less likely to sit and talk about it in their small groups. And as family and church has have both disintegrated and we have all become a mass of isolated individuals, uh, it's become easier and easier for the people who know what they're doing and are actively doing it to influence what the masses think oh we like sheep have gone astray we are uh we were we are living in very dangerous times and people i am often flabbergasted that people who are incredibly intelligent and capable of thinking through so many issues just don't mm. so we have volumes of material volumes libraries full of material on the problems of fatherlessness I mean, really, that issue has been settled, hasn't it? The problems caused by fatherlessness. And yet now, in the blink of an eye, it's all being torn up because you don't need fathers. Two mothers will do. Um, everything's changing. And, and people who should know better are accepting the most unbelievable rubbish. And they're accepting it very quickly. And it's very difficult to get traction against it. Visions 2020 with Neil Johnson. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Well, you can be part of our conversation, 1-800-316-316. Elizabeth Kendall, Religious Liberty Analyst, our guest. Uh, let's take a call from Shelby in Brisbane. Hello, Shelby. Welcome along to 2020. Uh, yeah, uh, Elizabeth, uh, Neil, um, love the show, love what you're talking about, especially I've recorded most of it um, because... Um, Man, it is just uh, unbelievable to some of the points that you're bringing up. That one even where the Muslim uh, countries um, 
aren't, uh, they're not even bringing that issue up of beheading, you know, if you're a uh, yeah, gay person. Shelby, yeah. uh, just uh, before uh, Elizabeth responds there, and I know that listeners, when you hear... Uh, conversations like this, you think, oh, I wish I had a recording of that. Well, I want to encourage everyone who's listening to this conversation that you can hear this conversation again on a podcast and we'll have it up again later on this afternoon. Simply go to our webpage, vision.org.au and there's forward slash 2020 or go to the vision.org.au and you'll find a a drop-down menu tab and you'll find the 2020 page and later this afternoon you'll be able to hear uh, this conversation afresh. But uh, Shelby, uh, on the issue of beheading, uh, Elizabeth Kendall, your thoughts on what Shelby's saying? Uh, yes, well, you know, in Saudi Arabia, you can be beheaded for all sorts of things, and in and in including homosexuality, I think. And in Iran, uh, you can certainly be hung for you're executed for the crime of homosexuality. They, they, they've even hung minors, 15 year old boys, hung by by the neck from cranes in the street for the crime of homosexuality. And yet, you know, we our, our officials are very. Are nervous about these topics. They, they instead of actually really dealing with these human rights abuses, these mur- this, the murder of these young people, uh, they're more interested in in attacking Christian nations that have no desire to actually, you know, absorb this secular humanist uh, ideology. And I think that's a very weak thing to do, really, to to opt for this, uh, for the easy way out, to make themselves feel like they're doing something and to actually stay clear from the real serious human rights abuses. Shelby from Brisbane, thanks so much for your input today on 2020. Let's hear from Sid in Birkdale in Queensland. Hello, Sid. Welcome along. Uh, good morning. How are you? Very well, Sid. What's your thoughts? Yeah, look, I think the the greatest tribute uh, to why society is going down the drain is this belief that man is just an evolved animal. Yeah. As to be proven. Uh, you know, that's the foundation. If, if, man, if there is no God, uh, you've come from nothing. And this is standard by how we live. Anything goes. And uh, it's not hard to see the last few generations of youth have uh, embraced homosexuality and everything else. Sid, uh, great thoughts there. Sid, uh, if you can join the dots on a whole bunch of different issues, uh, you can see more clearly. Uh, your thoughts, Elizabeth Kendall, uh, man just an evolved animal, and that's why you get this sort of thing. Well, that's exactly right, and he's hit the nail right on the head. And this is why people need to understand the importance of our worldview. People need to start taking some worldview studies and really understand the importance of what we believe. What we believe impacts how we act and what we do. If you are a Christian who believes that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and that we are accountable to this God, you will behave in a certain way and you will, you know, you will seek him out, you will seek to be reconciled with him and you will trust him. If you believe that there is no God, that we are just the product of slime plus time, that there is, then no one can tell us what to do and there is no greater end in life than our own personal pleasure. And that creates a different sort of society altogether and it's not one that, that I want to be involved in. And I think when people, when people want to look, people say that this is something to aspire to, but the thing is it's been tried before. This is what they need to realise. There are plenty of countries in the world 
where, the, where dictators have tried to eliminate religion, eliminate all biblical morality, and it's turned out very, very badly. Sid from Birkdale, thanks so much for your input today here on 2020. And we're in the lead up to news. Uh, wanted to not miss this opportunity to talk about the Elliots and we might need to continue this uh, into the next hour and we'll be continuing to take calls into the next uh, 30 minutes beyond news which is coming up in just a few minutes. Let me just set this up for a moment though where you might recall uh, that the the Elliot family, well we're talking about a couple, Ken and Jocelyn Elliot who built a hospital in Burkina Faso in West Africa and uh, Dr. Elliot, 80 years of age, from Perth, uh, the only surgeon for two million people in Burkina Faso. And, of course, uh, as the story goes, uh, he's, and he and uh, Jocelyn have been kidnapped uh, by al-Qaeda-linked extremists. Uh, just quickly, Elizabeth, your thoughts. We want to get an update, and we'll talk some more about this up after the news, but, uh, but uh, certainly a tragedy, and there's no light yet. Yes, well, he'd be the only surgeon in his region... Uh, not not so much in, in all of Burkina Faso, but he's in a very, very remote region up near the border of Mali. Uh, so with him gone, the people of that region uh, have no one. And the people who have kidnapped him, they're called Ansardine, and they're an Al-Qaeda-linked organisation, linked to Al-Qaeda in the Islamic Maghreb, which is an came out of Algeria, the Algerian uh, Islamist movement. And they are a brutal organisation. They're based in northern Mali. Uh, they took over Mali in 2012 and they were brutal. Um, I'm deeply concerned that we haven't heard anything. We haven't heard uh, a ransom demand or anything. They also kidnapped a Swiss missionary from Timbuktu in Mali at the same time. They've, they've shown her, uh, put out a, a video of her in full Islamic garb with a British jihadi uh, demanding uh, the, the release of all Islamic prisoners, that she will only be, be released in exchange for the release of all Islamic prisoners. Elizabeth, we'll come back and we'll continue to talk about the Elliots after the news. A reminder, our talkback line open 1-800-316-316. Elizabeth Kendall, our guest, religious liberty analyst, and we'll continue uh, more talkback calls after the news here on Vision. Because we've been talking about ideology, we've been talking about propaganda, we've been talking about religious freedom, uh, we've been talking the context of what's happening with uh, not only the marriage debate but a, a whole lot of issues uh, which are being changed. The mood is changing and you might like to be part of our conversation. So 1-800-316-316. We're also talking about the Elliots. Ken and Josh, uh, Jocelyn Elliot, who built a hospital in Burkina Faso in Western Africa and last month Al-Qaeda-linked extremists stormed the couple's house dragged them from their beds, kidnapped them and put them on their way to the border with Mali. And as I understand it, uh, Dr Elliot, who's 80 years of age, uh, his glasses left behind as well. Uh, Elizabeth Kendall, uh, you've been following this along very uh, carefully. And uh, an 80-year-old without their glasses, uh, I know that people were talking about the stresses and the strains that would come uh, from a kidnapping, uh, but to be left without your glasses and not being able to see what's going on uh, might be very, very difficult for an 80-year-old. Oh, absolutely, and I think probably, uh, you know, he's a man... There are a couple of obviously extraordinary faiths, but 
Um, I think the greatest stress for both of them would be uh, the situation that each other finds themselves in. So for Ken Elliott, his his stress would be for the for the situation his wife is in, and for Jocelyn, she would be stressed by the situation her husband is in. You know, it's often easier to bear these things when you're alone than it is when your loved one is suffering uh, by your side. Um, and yes, as the as there are so many have pointed out, you know, they might be very fit and they might be able to do amazing things uh, in in that in that dust bowl of a place that is Burkina Faso. But to survive the stress as an eighty as an eighty year old couple to survive the stress of an Al Qaeda linked kidnapping uh, might be something else altogether. It's very concerning that we haven't heard a single word on on their on their situation. What we always love about your focus on these issues, Elizabeth Kendall, is that one of the primary purposes that you have is to call Christian believers to prayer. When we think of the Elliots, and, you know, it's almost as though, you know, this is a couple that could have lived next door. Now, they are an extraordinary couple and uh, doing that missionary work there in Western Africa. But how do you encourage people to pray for the Elliots? Uh, I, there was a lovely uh, quote from the Bishops' Conference of Burkina Faso, Faso and Niger, and I, I put it on my prayer bulletin, and it goes like this. The Bishops' Conference states, We invite you to remember and pray for these victims. Um, our only weapon is prayer. May all believers increase the ardour of prayer. And, you know, that is all we can do. And I think the sooner people realise that this is all we can do, maybe they'll realise that we need to be involved because the government's not going to pray, the, the, uh, you know, the police probably aren't going to pray, but if anyone's going to rescue these people, it's going to be the Lord. He will have them released alive if it is his will. And if that is not his will, if he has something else that is in his mind to do, uh, then he will be with them, he will, he will comfort them, he will lift them up. And uh, we need to pray that, they will, that, the, that the Elliots will be fully conscious all the time of God's presence, uh, of his love, that they can never be separated from the love of God, that, God, that Ken Elliot will know that God cares for his wife and he's going to look after her, uh, and that she will know that God is looking after her husband, and that they will have peace. You know, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And we think about how hard this is for us when we have stresses that we really need to be putting in the Lord's hands and resting while he takes care of it. Well, imagine burdens of this size. Mm. Uh, it's absolutely uh, astronomical. And, you know, I just look, I look at this couple that have been doing this work in Burkina Faso for what 42 years and and I think you know if if someone wants my opinion on who would make a good Australian of the year well you know here's a pretty good couple that I think would be very worthy of it you know, what what some of these missionaries do is just it, it is so remarkable so remarkable and I believe that the church in Australia because these are Australians, has a special responsibility to get behind them. Uh, first and foremost in prayer, 
but also in speaking to our, our government about what are they doing to try and get these Australians back alive. Well, it certainly captured everyone's imagination and no one liked to hear a story of uh, Ken and Jocelyn Elliott and their kidnap. Uh, it did capture everyone's imagination and people were talking about this wonderful couple who built a hospital mm. and caring for uh, two million people in their area in Burkina Faso. Uh, it didn't get a lot of headlines that this was a passionate missionary couple, but uh, certainly in our prayers and thank you for leading us that way. We are talking about a whole lot of issues today, but religious freedom, one of those, uh, we've been talking about propaganda. We've been talking about ideology. Wendy has been waiting patiently on the <laughs> phone uh, from Meribah in Queensland. Hello, Wendy. Welcome along to 2020. Hi, Neil. Thank you. Wendy, just let me clarify. Are you in Queensland or are you in Victoria? Oh, Queensland. You're in Queensland. Oh, yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, what are your thoughts? And uh, Elizabeth's listening. Well, Elizabeth, you've just brought me to tears talking about the Elliots. But anyway, that's not where I was going. You were talking earlier about George Brandis and one of the other MPs. I can't remember his name. Uh, Warren Inch, I think it was. Oh, yeah, that's it, yep. And they're both on the same-sex marriage, same side. And it strikes me as absolutely insane that you have two people who agree wholeheartedly, probably, on an issue. So they're sitting down together and they're uh, drafting this plebiscite um, in in favour of same-sex marriage. And it sort of struck me that it's like getting this guy who wants to come to Australia to teach all these guys how to um, destroy women's lives in every possible way, sitting down on a park bench with a guy who's a rapist, whether he's been, been convicted or whether he just gets away with it all the time, and going, OK, well, this is how we should do it. It's a severe uh, comparison there, but uh, Wendy, yeah. let's hear from uh, let's hear from Elizabeth. Elizabeth, your thoughts on uh, on who's actually sitting down for these things? Well, it might have been Jenny who uh, named, uh, named I think it those was, actually. MPs, yeah. Okay, but yep. um, but the, the thing I think that we really need to understand is the degree to which um, people have been working towards this goal for decades. So uh, left-wing, uh, anti-Christian, I would say neo-Marxist elements have uh, engaged in what they call, in their own words, a long march through the institutions. So that now when you turn on a family program, it's almost, it's almost mandatory to have, you know, a, a gay figure. Or, like, it's almost mandatory that there is a, a same-sex uh, element or a gay element to it. And uh, television is becoming unbearable. But it's, it's, they used television, uh, film, uh, books that kids are reading, everything. The music they listen to is all going in together towards establishing a different mindset and making people think differently and giving people the impression that the whole world is behind this new thinking when in fact it's not. But, and what we need to understand is how this is like a tsunami. Uh, this is something huge. It's, uh, I, I, as I said before, the propaganda is suffocating and our young people are in it all the time. Keeping them, keeping them free of it is virtually impossible. But we have to work extremely hard and we have to pray. The, uh, the days for sitting comfortably in our churches is over. 
Uh, we have to see our the preservation of Christianity in Australia and our social ethic in Australia. We have to see this as serious business that the church now must be involved in. No more sitting comfortably. Well, Wendy from Maribyrnong in Queensland, uh, great input there today, and thank you so much for being a part of 2020. Uh, interestingly, Elizabeth Kendall, uh, when we talk about uh, what what we would uh, establish as uh, something that Jenny mentioned with uh, politicians and the way that those ones are selected or uh, chosen in some way to be able to put together uh, government positions on things, uh, with the removal of Tony Abbott, uh, along with Tony Abbott and his Christian foundations, went a whole swathe of mm. others who held to a Christian uh, ideal. Oh, uh, the total coup. In the coup, and of course that uh, deserves lots of comment and I'm sure there'll be lots of commentary coming uh, on 2020 uh, through the year and especially given it's an election year. But it's very unpopular and this is where this whole ideology and this battle of uh, for hearts and minds comes in, doesn't it? Because the people who will be framing the very things that we'll be called to vote on, perhaps in a plebiscite or in the debate in the lead-up to, are, are, these are the, it's very important as to what sort of ideology they hold to. But while the right-wingers, those who have been a Christian-aligned, have are now on the outer, it means that those who are left-aligned are actually getting to, to, to formulate the questions and the debate. That's right. And I think um, what needs to be done, and Corey Bernardi said this in his most recent uh, mail-out, is that conservatives just need to start speaking out at every possible opportunity. So that means, you know, engaging in talkback, writing letters to the editor, writing to your local member. We have to speak at every possible opportunity, uh, at, at parents' meetings in schools. We can't be afraid anymore. And, uh, you know, I've had to deal with this issue myself, uh, even very recently, because uh, at this meeting I'll be attending on Monday, I'm fully aware that I will be probably outnumbered about 40 to 1 on this topic. The person who's going to chair or lead the, lead the discussion is a known gay rights activist who has been actively lobbying for the removal of religious exemptions. And DFAT has chosen this woman to lead the conversation. And, uh, and I, you know, my first thought was, my goodness, I just don't want to put myself through that. But I, know, I knew full well that if I withdrew, and this only came after a lot of prayer, I might add, because I was tempted to withdraw in protest, I knew that if I withdrew, that room on Monday would be like an echo chamber with everyone agreeing, because this is, this is the... This is the line in the human rights community at the moment. Everyone agreeing that we must have equality of all types of everything. Uh, It would be an echo chamber and that there needed to be someone there in a human rights forum to defend religious freedom and to defend uh, those who don't want to be, you know, forced to choose between their jobs or, or, or acting against their conscience. So we have to step up. We just have to. We just have to be brave. We have to, we have to expect that we're going to be abused, we're going to be called names, but we have to speak and we have to keep speaking because only by speaking do you have any chance of cutting through that propaganda. Otherwise, without, without, any, without any Christian voice, it's just, it is a suffocating propaganda and the mums and dads all through the suburbs 
uh, are thinking in terms of, yes, equality. People can love who they love and they're not actually thinking about the rights of children or the fact that same-sex marriage implies that fathers aren't necessary, that mothers aren't necessary, that two of anything will do. <laughs> uh, the implications are enormous, but people will not think about it if we just let the propaganda uh, blow in like a fog and we don't do something to try and cut through it ourselves, regardless of the cost. As I sometimes reflect, this deception comes in the name of love. And you do have to think more deeply about this deception that is coming across the nation, coming across uh, so many parts of the Western world right now. Elizabeth Kendall, Religious Liberty Analyst. Our talkback line is open. You can be part of this conversation for just another short while, in about more 10 more minutes. So uh, get in quickly, 1-800-316-316 if you've got something to contribute. We'll continue our conversation in just a few moments. A trip to the Holy Land isn't only educational, it's life-changing. My wife and I took the trip to Israel as our first major trip since commencing retirement and we weren't disappointed an amazing trip an amazing experience this easter we're heading back to the holy land and we want you to come with us the bible will come alive to you like never before as you walk in the places you've read about for years the highlights will be the sea of galilee the garden tomb visiting the city and walking the walk that jesus walked Calvary. Time is running out to book your place on Vision's Tour to Israel this Easter. Learn more at visiontours.org.au or call 1-300-550-830. Vision's Tours to Israel. Just another way we're connecting faith to life. In this age of one-size-fits-all, it's sometimes hard to find what you really need. And this is the case with medication. Station sponsor Warren Cargill and the team from Usher Compounding Pharmacy are your compounding specialists. Compounding is where we customise your prescription to meet your needs. From capsules to creams, lozenges to lotions and everything in between, we make it all and can post Australia-wide. Call 089-795-7631 or online at usherpharmacy.com.au. Food and water were scarce, but Reverend Johnson knew what we needed was the Word of God. Ever wonder about our Christian heritage? Who brought the gospel to Australia, held the first service? This Sunday, join Christians all over Australia as we stop to celebrate Australia's National Christian Heritage Sunday, a celebration of the day the gospel of Jesus Christ came to our shores. Find out more at nchs.net.au. Station sponsor... Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. It's Neil with you, Elizabeth Kendall, Religious Liberty Analyst, our guest, and uh, just a few minutes to go. Uh, a quick one, uh, Elizabeth. Ray called in uh, with a Facebook comment. In fact, it's not a caller. Uh, today, uh, regarding this morning's 2020 topic, he says... Uh, it seems to me that Christianity has been watered down because of the church's apathy. The church in general and Christians are fair game because they do not challenge adversaries. He, he reflects, at least the Muslims don't take a backward step with the antagonists. What do others think? Uh, just a very quick thought from you, Elizabeth, on the fact that uh, Muslims don't stand down from this sort of uh, attack. Uh, if you were comparing Christians and Muslims, you'd have to say Christians are fairly apathetic right now. Yes, look, I wouldn't even bother with the Christian-Muslim uh, comparison because they're just 
in uh, they work Christianity and Islam work so differently that uh, I, I wouldn't bother with that comparison. But the thing is that regarding this issue of the church not challenging its adversaries, I would say that the church in its comfort has been so, uh, I have to say lazy, I would think, that I would say that today most Christians would not be capable of challenging their adversaries. I would say there is probably a majority of Christians in our churches today who are incapable of articulating the gospel and articulating what it is they believe in words that an unchurched person might actually understand and in a way that an unchurched person might understand it. Um, And not only that, but Christians today have no idea and no understanding of the fact that everything we have in our society in terms of freedom and security and peace has come out of our Christian worldview and from our Christian heritage. And they need to read, um, they need to read books like um, The Book That Changed Your World by Vishal Mangalwadi and, and be reminded that the reason we have marriage is because we want to protect women and children. And the reason we, we do have do things the way we do is because of our Christian ethic. And Christians today are largely incapable of defending Christianity and the Christian faith. So Elizabeth, need I'll need to cut in here. Courage. We're running short of time, yeah. and I just I want to uh, take a call from Ross at Midway Point in Tasmania. Ross, uh, go ahead. Uh, Elizabeth, I just yes. wondered, you spoke about um, this meeting on Monday, this DFAT meeting on Monday. Can you explain a bit more about that? Very quickly. Um, it's a, um, it's a, an annual forum run by the Department of Defence, Foreign Affairs and Trade, uh, their, human rights, their Human Rights Department. They get, it's a by-invitation-only forum, a roundtable for heads of human rights non-government organisations where we get to discuss issues that are concerning us. But on the agenda this time, there's a full session devoted to diversity in families, which I would actually maintain is not even an international human rights issue. Uh, Ross from Midway Point. Ross, thanks so much for uh, your quick question there, and uh, I wish I could talk to you some more, but uh, running out of time. Uh, Elizabeth, uh, just a minute and a half, and we'll need to go to uh, preparing for Focus on the Family. I want to point people to your websites. Now, I say that in plural because uh, there's a number of sites where people can get informed about some of these global issues that you write about. Uh, just uh, inform us uh, as to how people can follow along Elizabeth Kendall and uh, perhaps uh, see some of your websites. Uh, well, if you just go to elizabethkendall.com, that will put you through to... Um my main website from where you can link to the prayer bulletin or religious liberty monitoring. Um, Religious liberty monitoring has been quite quiet while I've been writing uh, my other book, but religious liberty prayer bulletin, that comes out every single week and it gives you background to situations that really do need urgent prayer and it gives you prayer points. It also gives you a, a one paragraph summary you can use in small groups and church bulletins and newsletters. So I really encourage people to get on the Religious Liberty Prayer Bulletin mailing list and to see if you can get your small group or your church praying about these issues weekly. And I regard this as the serious business 
of the church, something right. we can't just forfeit. Uh, Elizabeth, too, uh, mentioned the, you wrote the book Turn Back the Battle and you've got another one that's due out very soon and I'll look forward to spending some time unpacking uh, what's in your new book and, uh, and of course, uh, pointing people to those websites. Simply Google Elizabeth Kendall and you'll find those websites. Elizabeth Kendall, Religious Liberty Analyst. Elizabeth, thanks so much for being with us again today on 2020. Thanks, Neil. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.